Are you tired of being told what to think and how to act? Well, you are not alone. In case you haven't realized it, you have an internal GPS. It knows all you need to know about how to live your life. So it's about time you stopped letting the media and the government tell you what is true for you. In fact, it is exactly that time. It's time to think for yourself. And here to make sure you're doing just that is your host, mediator, author, and lawyer, Carol Gold. Hi, it's Sunday, June 4th. I'm Carol Gold, and welcome to Think for Yourself. I will say at the outset that I am a real fan of Jordan Peterson's, and if you don't know who he is, suffice it to say that you can find his YouTube channel and watch one of many either lectures or debates or discussions in which he exemplifies the brilliance of being focused on what's logical, what's real, and what's provable. He is the epitome of critical thinking. And of course, given that my podcast is Think for Yourself, I love that approach to analyzing what's going on in the world around us. It happens that this past week, I stumbled upon a YouTube video called A Glitch in the Matrix. There's a movie by that name, but that's not what this is. This is an interview, actually a documentary done by David Fuller. David Fuller is a former producer and director in the United Kingdom of their channel 4 News. And upon leaving that position, he took up the study of, I think, psychology or counseling, which is where he first came in contact with the works of Jordan Peterson. And so Fuller did an interview and a actually a documentary it is. There's an interview within it, but overall it's a documentary about Jordan Peterson. I watched it. It's about, I don't know, I think it's 45 or 50 minutes long. And I came away realizing something for the first time. It really encapsulated for me the essence of why Jordan Peterson is such a target of certain groups, certain political groups, certain cultural groups. And it's because Peterson's real crime is that he encourages free thought. That's what he does. And that is infuriating to people who are all about promoting a particular agenda and convincing you and everyone else that their version is the only version. It's like when people talk about the science, there is no the science. There's science. Science isn't static. It's fluid. It's constantly in motion. It's constantly discovering new things. It's constantly making inquiry. So when people talk about the science as if they have something that's absolute that they're going to show you and that you have to believe in absolutely, they lose me immediately and they should lose you as well. Also in this last week, I began reading a book called Trial of the Century. It just came out just a few days ago, actually. The book is written by a journalist, Greg Jarrett. The book is about the Scopes Monkey Trial. If you don't know the Scopes Monkey Trial, and of course, as an attorney, I do, and many people do, because it is a classic legal case that addressed First Amendment rights in this country. It could arguably be said that it's the legal foundation for First Amendment rights in this country. 
And what it is, if you don't know, is that in, I think it was 1925, in Dayton, Tennessee, a school teacher was prosecuted for teaching evolution. There was a law in the state of Tennessee that said you could not teach evolution because it conflicted with the biblical version of what creation was all about. And although the textbooks that the school used had a chapter on evolution, teachers weren't allowed to teach that chapter. This teacher, along with some other prominent townspeople in Dayton, decided to make a legal challenge. And so he went ahead and taught it. He was arrested. He was prosecuted. And Clarence Darrow, an attorney who was I guess you could say an advocate for the downtrodden at that time, Clarence Darrow represented this school teacher. William Jennings Bryant, who was a twice failed presidential candidate and a preacher, I believe, or he had some seminary background and was revered by many, was on the other side of the issue, on the side of only teaching the Bible. And the culmination of this entire case was that there were so many people at the courtroom, the judge feared that the courtroom would actually collapse. And so there was a podium outside that had been built, a stand for, I think, like a May Day parade or something, or Memorial Day. And they held the last cross-examination, effectively is what it was, of William Jennings Bryant, who Darrow had called as a witness in the case because Darrow was losing the case. He felt it. And he believed that if he put Brian on, Brian in his arrogance and his ego would bury himself on a witness stand and make evident why only teaching the Bible was only part of the story. I tell you all of this as way of background for two reasons. One, I want to give you a quote from the prologue to the book, which is written by Greg Jarrett. He writes the the intro or the prologue to the rest of the book, which is about the trial. That's one reason. The other reason I want to share it with you when I give you the background is because it really is foundational for what this entire episode is about, which is free speech. Greg Jarrett says in the introduction, And he's talking about free speech today, contemporaneously, what we're all going through in this country. And here's the quote, dissent is mislabeled and denounced as disinformation, end quote. I think that is so concise and brilliant of an observation, because that's exactly what has happened. If you don't agree with what let's call it mainstream media, or you don't agree with what the majority of corporations or the government is pushing, marketing, selling. If you don't agree, if you don't agree with certain groups that have political clout, whatever your opinion is, is turned into disinformation or misinformation. Really, all it is is dissent. You know, in in Supreme Court decisions, you get the majority opinion, you get the dissent. You get the dissent because when people don't agree with the majority, they have the right to be heard. And oftentimes in the history of this country, the dissent has gone on to become law later on because the dissent, it turns out, was filled with foresight and actually had the right approach to a a case. It was just ahead of its time. 
that's why the word dissent is important. It's important because dissent isn't dis or misinformation. Dissent is an opposing view. And in a country where free speech is the bedrock of freedom, the dissent has to be heard. It shouldn't be marginalized. It shouldn't be condemned. It shouldn't be relegated to the, to the ashes. It needs to be heard. Along these lines, obviously, it's why Elon Musk says he bought Twitter. He bought Twitter because he believed that Twitter was being used, and it was, both with government and corporate influence, to censor speech. It was censoring predominantly conservative speech or any speech in the case of COVID-19 that opposed the approach of vaccination. Musk said that he wanted Twitter to be, in essence, the digital town square. And a lot of people applauded him for that. A lot of people condemned him for it, mostly people on the left who were unhappy that he was going to turn it into a free speech platform. I mention this because this past week, Matt Walsh, who admittedly is a conservative, I guess you would call him investigative journalist, he is affiliated with the website, The Daily Wire, Ben Shapiro's website. Matt Walsh created, produced a documentary called What is a Woman? And that documentary has been seen by millions of people. And so Matt Walsh and The Daily Wire went to Twitter recently and entered into an agreement where the, the documentary, What is a Woman, was going to be streamed on Twitter. Just a day before it was to be streamed and where advertisements were also going to be allowed to promote the documentary being streamed, the day before, Twitter banned it. And they called it hate speech. And the reason they banned it under the criteria of hate speech was because in two instances within the documentary... In one instance, it was a father who was attempting to save his daughter from transitioning from beta blockers and hormone treatment and surgery, which his estranged wife was in favor of. The father was trying to save this daughter from going through that process. He was opposed to it, and he kept referring to her as a her, as a she. So in the documentary, when he's interviewed, he refers to his daughter as she. That was one of the instances where Twitter decided that was hate speech, not using the correct pronoun for the daughter's wishes. And I don't recall the other instance, but in an hour and 47 minute documentary, they were banning it for two references of people using the wrong pronouns. And of course, Matt Walsh tweeted out, what was happening, that the documentary was being banned, and that this flew in the face of what Twitter said it was out there to be, which was the town square, the digital town square. And when that happened, I received two texts from friends of mine, both of them admittedly conservative, politically conservative. Each one of them immediately condemned Elon Musk, one of my friends said that Musk would now, quote, lose, whatever that meant, because he, he had lost credibility. In essence, the whole thing about a digital town square was fraudulent, and it, they were still going to censor. The other friend said that Musk was either going to be with us or against us, and that if he sold out to the left, we would know who he really was. 
And I was kind of shocked by both of my friends' responses. And I wrote them back and I said this, in my opinion, Elon Musk is like a savant. He's a genius at tech, but he is very limited or naive at social issues and social interaction. Why? Because he's on the spectrum. He's autistic. And so he has to find his way through situations where he lacks the social skills and the kinds of social cues that allow him, that would allow someone else to more, I guess, accurately predict or envision how humans would react in certain situations. I really believe he's clueless about nuanced human, both body language signals and unspoken messages, kind of the things that we call in between the lines. So I said, let's give him a chance. Give him a chance to respond to what Twitter did. And in less than a day, that's exactly what happened. He reversed the ban. Two of the people high up in the hierarchy of running Twitter, one was fired and one quit over the incident. And what is a woman was allowed to be streamed on Twitter. I want to make a point about what my friends said, and then I want to make a point about the documentary itself. I thought that my friends were coming from tunnel vision. They were seeing Elon Musk as being either with a conservative perspective or not with a conservative perspective. And this is what happens when we politicize everything. It was neither. For him, it was more about his personal inability, I guess you would say, or diminished ability to foresee what certain people working for him would do in a situation that required a, a response that would be something other than political, that would be true to the principle for which he said he bought Twitter, which was to make it an open platform for all opinions. And when he saw what the people who were high up in his organization did, he undid it. It wasn't about him being left or right. It was about him being true to who he said he is and true to the principles that he said he believes in. I don't always agree with Elon Musk and things that he tweets out or things that he says or stands that he takes. But you've got to give an individual the opportunity to stand by the principles that they say are important to them before you condemn them prematurely. And that's what I think happened with my two friends. As for the documentary itself, I watched it. And here are my thoughts. It's a documentary about Matt Walsh going cross-country and even internationally to interview both professionals and lay people on the issue of transgenderism and particularly on transitioning children of a young age, both hormonally and surgically. And my observations of watching the documentary are that those who advocated for transitioning children, the professionals who were advocating for the rights of transgender children and their parents to carte blanche transition them at very young ages, as young as eight, could not or would not define what a woman was. 
Matt Walsh asked them that question repeatedly during his interviews. His interviews were very non-confrontational. They were very much information-gathering interviews. He was very open in his uh, questioning and very open in his willingness to take in the answers that people who may disagree with him philosophically had to offer. But they wouldn't define a woman. To a person, they wouldn't define a woman, or they couldn't. Whenever Matt Walsh got to a point in an interview, with, particularly with a professional, psychologists, psychiatrists, doctors, counselors, and they couldn't answer a question that he posed, they ended the interview. They walked out. They ended the interview because they found the questioning difficult. This is something that we have come to as a culture, and that is we've lost the ability to discuss differences, and people feel the right to either claim a safe space or claim that they feel harassed or claim that somehow their feelings have been hurt or they've been offended, and they can walk away. And so we've lost the ability to dialogue. We've lost the ability to debate. We've lost the ability to discuss And therefore, we've lost the ability to communicate with one another. And so I go back to where I started, which is with Jordan Peterson and his undisputed approach to critical thought. I don't think I've ever been more aware of a perfect example for why all of us need to think for ourselves than what happened this past week with the debt ceiling deal that was cut between the Republican House and the Biden administration. And here's why. Some Democrats complained that it was awful. They got nothing. And some Democrats said Biden killed it, that he prevailed, including Biden. Some Republicans complained that they got nothing. And some Republicans said McCarthy prevailed. If you only watched one of those, or let's say you only watched the Democrats who complained, or if you only watched the Democrats who thought Biden prevailed, or vice versa with the Republicans, then you walked away with an opinion that wasn't based on your own knowledge. It was based on a perspective that someone else gave you. And if there were two sides of the same coin within the Democratic Party and two sides of the same coin within the Republican Party, what in the world was the truth? How were you to know what was true? Everybody was selling something. Everybody wanted you to believe a particular agenda for a particular purpose. So what is true? Well, the only way you can know what is true is to read the legislation yourself. Now, I'm not delusional. I know that 99.9% of the people aren't going to read the legislation. They don't have time. They don't have enough, whatever, patience. Although this was not a 2,000-page bill. This was only about a hundred and I think, four-page bill. But still, it's a lot of pages of legalese to read. I don't expect anybody to read the legislation unless you're me or you're, you know, your radio talk show or you're somebody in journalism who has to. But you can read the summaries. You can read the key points. And then if you read the key points, if you read, in essence, what the bill is proposing to be done, 
and you draw your own conclusion as to whether the bill is helpful or hurtful to our present economic condition, to our financial situation, then at least you have your own opinion that's yours, that's based on your own effort, that's based on your own critical thinking, and that you've come to on your own. That's what critical thinking is. That's what Jordan Peterson advocates for. That's what I advocate for. That's what this podcast is about. And that's precisely why those who want to control you don't want you to think critically and why they hate Jordan Peterson and anybody like him. Thanks for listening. I'm Carol Gold. I'll be back here again next Sunday. And until I am, by all means, think for yourself. Carol thanks you for spending your valuable time with her. It is her mission to empower you to remember how smart and capable you are. Be sure to check out Carol's website, carolgold.com. That's Carol with an E, gold.com. Please leave a review and subscribe here so you'll be alerted to Carol's next podcast. Until then, above all else, remember, it's time to think for yourself.